Hoops with you. Glad to have you along as always. We are broadcasting live over the airwaves of WZAM, Ishpeming, Marquette, and glad to have you with us. Ryan Stieg of the Mining Journal in studio with me. He's coming on short day's rest. What's up, Ryan? Doing all right. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm... I'm Yep, short day's rest. My arm is uh, feeling okay. You Rubber know. arm? Yeah, doing all right, but uh, I'll get through the start. He's hanging in there, folks, and he's back on after appearing Friday. It's kind of a funky week this week. We got some stuff turned around, so that's why Ryan is here on Monday. And we got a lot to get to today over the course of the next hour. We have got what happened with Trevor Bauer yesterday. We had something that never happened in the American League East this weekend, plus the Mets moving an all-star pitcher just maybe not acquiring. We all thought they would be dealing somebody. Plus, NBA win totals came out this weekend, as well as NCAA.com's first preseason top 25 football poll. We're going to get to that over the course of the next hour. But first, I want to start with this. Ryan, it was 16 years ago today that I went to my first baseball game ever. Do you remember your first baseball game? I do. I remember the very first one, but not a lot. I remember more the fourth game, which actually happened when I was the same age, but I remember that one more because, I don't know, I it was a day game, I think, and the first game I went to was a night game, and I ended up getting home probably after my bedtime, mm-hmm. so I was probably like kind of hazy in remembering it, but I remember who they played, yep. So, but that's about it. I remember seeing the Metrodome grass, the turf, unfold in front of me. The whole stadium just unfolded in front of me as I walked in the tunnel, I'll never forget that. It's one of my favorite memories. That was on this date back in 2003. The Twins were playing the Orioles that day in Baltimore, one seven to five. I've got the lineup card here for you. See if this makes you feel nostalgic. The lineups from my first ever baseball game for Minnesota. Shannon Stewart led off and played left field. Luis Rivas batted second, played second. Doug Mankiewicz hit third and played first. Tory Hunter was a cleanup batter in center field. AJ Przinsky, ew. Caught and bat fifth. Uh, designated hitter was Jock Jones, batted sixth. Michael Restovich in right field hit seventh. Chris Gomez, the third baseman, was eighth. And Christian Guzman played short and batted ninth. Johan Santana was the starting pitcher. I remember all those guys except Chris Gomez. I don't remember him. I remember him, and I don't remember Michael Restovich. <laughs> those are the two that aren't standing out to me, but I, rem- I remember all the other ones. I remember even less on the Orioles' side. They led off with Brian Roberts at second base. Yeah. I do remember him. Luis Matos in center field, and then Jeff Conine at first base. And then beyond those three, I don't recognize a lot of these names. Tony Batista played third base. He yep, was a cleanoff yep, yep. batter. Played for the Jays, too. Jake Gibbons in right field batted fifth. Carlos Mendez was the DH hit sixth. Larry Bigby was seventh. He was in left field. Delvey Cruz was the shortstop batting eighth. And the catcher was Brooke Fordyce batting ninth. Rick Helling was the starting pitcher that day. Interestingly enough, apparently Miguel Tejada, Melvin Mora, this must have been before their time. Yeah, I think it was. The interesting thing about that lineup is I recognize all the names and maybe no fully maybe two of them in that lineup (laughs) that that was the Orioles before they were back to being good again right right that was back when they were three below 500 at the time of the game actually them and the twins both were three below 500 so now they were a very good team that year I did go see the next season in 2004 they were playing the Red Sox and I saw Johan pitch against Pedro and the twins were good that year Mm -hmm. so that was a lot of fun I uh the first game I remember I was it was when I was living in Texas. Uh, the Rangers were playing Seattle, mm. and it was the old Arlington Stadium. 
And they played in the summer. They played all their games at night because the scorching Texas heat. Because a lot mm-hmm. of the seats at Arlington Stadium were were bleachers. So they played all the games at night. I think from June to, I want to say June 1st to I think September 1st. So to avoid the heat. Right. So even Sunday games were <laughs> played at night. Um, but I remember who they played. I remember the Rangers lost. And that is the extent of it. I remember my dad having to bring seat cushions with us because the bleachers were still hot, (laughs) even though it was like 8 o'clock at night. I remember the fourth one that I went to. I remember I remember all the teams they played, but mm-hmm. other than that, not much. The fourth one, uh, they played the White Sox, and uh, Nolan Ryan was pitching. Mm-hmm. That was his uh, next to last year in the majors, and uh, he won the game, and like I think he threw like a complete game and was still hitting the high 90s in mm-hmm. the ninth inning. So that was, that was memorable. Uh, so that's what I remember about that one. And I remember having a peanut in the shell for the first time <laughs> and throwing it in my mouth because I didn't know you had to crack it open. So uh, that was the memory I have of that. Well, I tell you what, that got me thinking. It got me nostalgic, and it got me thinking about a lot of baseball players that I grew up with that maybe aren't in the league anymore. And I started thinking about some guys that never really translated to Major League Baseball. And I've been doing a project this week that's going to air on Friday that talks about that quite a bit. But I tell you what, think about some of these names that I've got some guys that you heard a lot about growing up, and they never seem to translate. Remember Hideki Matsui? He was yep. supposed to be the big thing for the Yankees, and you never really heard of him after 2004. Yeah, he was, uh, then they call him Godzilla yep. or something like that. Yeah, he had like two years that were really memorable, mm-hmm. and even then they weren't that memorable, mm-hmm. and then uh, just kind of fell off the earth. They tried to do the Ichiro model with him, like he was an all-star in Japan, and they thought he would translate to America like Ichiro did, and he Came up far short of that. The problem is, is Matsui was a power hitter, mm-hmm. and Ichiro's a, kind of a slap ball hitter right. who could outrun, who would like lay down like a ground ball and make it to first. So, but Matsui was like a home run or nothing. He had no, he had no legs. It, it, getting a double was an adventure for that. Guy. Very much like the Twins tried to do back in 2016 with Byung Ho Park, bringing him over yep. from Korea. Yeah, which yeah. is where he's back now. Yeah, it's it's for reasons I don't quite understand. It's like an Asian baseball experiment. Like, there are some guys who really translate over from the Asian leagues and mm-hmm. do really well, and then there's other ones who completely bust as yeah. soon as they get to the majors. And, and uh, it's just, I always found that odd. It's like, whereas athletes from, like, the Dominican Republic and stuff like that, they they translate to the game weather. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's just the different style over there or what, but uh, for every like really good Asian player that comes from like Japan or Korea. It's like two of them that really underachieve. Right. I'm just, it's kind of befuddled me for years. Like some guys can make really long careers out of it. Like Shinsu Chu. Yeah. yeah he's well into his thirties by now and he's still playing fairly effectively. Yeah. And Hideo Nomo had like, yeah. a, he had a heyday for like four or five years. And then he like came back and became a reliever with the Red Sox mm-hmm. and like he got rid of his tornado motion and became more of just a regular straight pitcher and uh, I mean he did a decent job so it's there's some guys who have made a good living off of it and some guys it's like as soon as uh, remember was it Nishikoa or yeah, whatever? Nishioka yeah, from that, the Twins? Yeah that completely oh J.J. Hardy was my favorite twin, mm-hmm. and when they let him go to the Orioles and, like, banked heavily on, oh, it just, it frustrated me. got back me Jim so Hoey, a relief pitcher for him. Yeah. 
Ouch. Yeah, and uh, here I'm. I got to interview JJ Hardy, and he's tearing. Is that it up. right? Yeah, I got to interview him at spring, spring training. I mentioned it in a column once. He and I asked him, "Do you miss Minnesota?" And he and he had this like mixed feeling. He said, "I'm." I miss the fans because they were always great to me, but like you could tell he wanted to stick it to the Twins for like getting rid of him right. after a pretty good season yeah. over a guy that was just all hype and didn't really do much. I tell you what, speaking of the Red Sox, you brought them up. How about Daisuke Matsuzaka? Yep. He was supposed to be a big thing. Didn't he have like one year? Yep. Where, I think like, he had an all star year in like 07, maybe? Yeah. And he was supposed to be the guy. Yep. And <laughs> did not. He was not the guy. I was, remember Kiyagawa's debut with the Yankees. They thought he was going to be the next big thing. And then they did hit on Masahiro Tanaka. He's turned into a pretty good prospect from over there. Yeah, I. it's just kind of, it's confusing to me. It mm-hmm. just, you know, I don't know it's just how it's played over in the Asian countries, but it just doesn't. There's not as much success right. when they come over here. But the Latin players, the Latin players, players from Latin countries yeah. come over here and they translate really well. Yeah, it's just... I don't know. It's I've always found it weird, and hopefully, hopefully that'll change. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, for right now, it's for every for every Ichiro, there's a Matsui, or for every Ichiro, there's a Nishikawa. Or I got another one for you. Late two thousands, Chicago Cubs right fielder Kasuke Fukudome. I remember him. Yeah. I was high on him. I liked that guy. I was hoping he would translate. Yeah, they the Cubs hyped him up so much, mm-hmm. and he also was a bust. I mean, his first year, I think he did okay, but far below expectations. Mm-hmm. And then it's just it kept getting. Worse I liked and worse. him. I hoped that he would work out. I was hoping he would, but it just didn't. I think he's still playing over in Japan. I think he's 38 years old, and he's still playing over there. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of American players who will mm-hmm. go and try to make a comeback in the Asian leagues. And uh, on rare occasions, they'll come back and kind of rejuvenate their career. Didn't Gabe Kapler do that yeah. once? Yeah. So sometimes it happens. but Sometimes it works out. Yeah, but usually it doesn't. Otherwise, remember, you and I would both know it. Maybe a foreign name to a lot of our listeners, but Lou Ford. Yep. Remember Lou from the Twins back yeah. in the day? Yeah, he went over to Japan, and he had a nice little career after his MLB career. Yeah, Lou Ford. How about but, that? Yeah, I mean, the, he had, again, like a two, three-year span where he was a legit player. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, was no, he wasn't a Tory Hunter. But he, he was, was serviceable. Yeah, yeah. He, he was useful in the lineup. He was like a number six hitter or mm-hmm. something like that. So... He contributed, but that was a put-it. How about a few others that I've got here? How about this one? Lasting's Millage. Yeah. He took the MLB by storm for a little bit. Okay. He was so hyped by the Mets, and then he went to the Nationals, and now we never hear from him anymore. Lasting's Millage. Like, whatever happened to Lasting? Great name, by the way. Yeah, great name. But whatever happened to him? <laughs> it's, it's weird with baseball because mm-hmm. I think with football, it's a lot noticeable because we're obsessed with football in the country mm-hmm. so like if a guy kind of falls off everybody knows like what happened to him. Right. whereas baseball players it's like as soon as you start your decline people forget <laughs> that you were even in the major leagues like for a brief second i had to think oh yeah lasting's millage yeah. he played yeah that sounds familiar yeah how about this guy had one of my favorite names in all of baseball growing up i think he played four seasons at most in major league baseball termel sledge from the Padres. Oh, boy. Remember him? I yeah. love the name Sledge, and he was you know, one of their better hitters for like one season. Sledgehammer. Yeah. And I don't know what happened to him afterwards. I know when baseball really started cracking down on steroids, he was the first suspension in that 
you know, reinvestigation, reopen investigation. So really the sledgehammer. He was essentially <laughs> the sledgehammer because he got busted for steroids in January of 2003, and he was the first in a long line of suspensions after that. I like the name Sledge, Termel um, Sledge out there. I, I feel like some of the guys who maybe were mentioning declined because of that like maybe they relied so heavily on performance enhancing drugs that went out that they kind of fell off they never got busted right but it's like oh i have to stop taking these now and it just kind of fell off how about will middlebrooks remember him I remember just a couple will of years ago yeah. yeah just never a spot for no. him with boston and then he never really found a spot anywhere else yeah this is quite the trip on i know memory lane for me um I don't remember my first Twins game on a side note. Mm. I remember a lot of games, but they were so bad, I think, when I saw them the first time <laughs> that I, I completely blanked on who they did, who they played. Uh, Dallas McPherson? There's a guy the who had yeah, injuries yeah. that really derailed his career more yeah. than anything else. But, yeah, he was a guy that never quite reached the height that yeah. he was supposed to. Love the, a lot of these guys who failed have really interesting names. I know they do. Like, if you're like Bob Smith, apparently you're going to have a stellar career, but if you're Lasting's Millage, you're not going anywhere. About a couple of pitchers, and I don't know if they belong in this list or not. Jabba Chamberlain? He kind of flamed yeah. out after a couple of really effective years. The only years. thing I remember about Jabba is when he pitched in the uh, the fly game uh. at, at, at now Progressive <laughs> Field where uh, there was these gnats or whatever that kept circling around the mound and that they, there was like the delay there. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, was it a playoff game where they were playing Cleveland? I think so. Yeah, and the Yankees ended up losing that game and they blamed it on the flies that kept swarming around, <laughs> swarming around uh, Jabba Chamberlain. So, yeah. You could say uh, definitely him on there. What about last one I have here on my list? Gavin Floyd. He had some really serviceable years at the top of a White Sox rotation that wasn't very good, but he was okay. I mean, he was a serviceable guy. Gavin Gavin Floyd sounds like a one-hit wonder pop star. (laughs) And think about it. What he sounds like. Yeah, like a a Jesse McCartney or something. Like Gavin Floyd sounds like that kind of name. I remember who he was. I'm just saying. That right, name. he's memorable, yeah. but yeah. why is he memorable? Yeah, why is he memorable? Yeah. Uh, Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, some baseball never happenings before did happen over the weekend. Plus, what are the Mets trying to build? We'll tell you what we know or what we think we know next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to Enter Hoops. Ryan Stieg with you. Glad to have you along as always on this Monday afternoon. I tell you what, a lot happened in Major League Baseball over the weekend. One thing of note, Marcus Stroman has a new team. The Blue Jays ace is now a member of the New York Mets. Do the Mets know what they're building right now? No, they don't. <laughs> I, uh, is there a, I feel like the Mets are becoming the Browns yeah. of Major League Baseball. Just throwing money at stuff and (laughs) hoping something comes out of it because just i don't know their draft picks are kind of going nowhere they're just dangling noah syndicate above everybody did Mm -hmm. you see what he put on his twitter profile oh it's great i think he said uh (laughs) potentially like former met (laughs) or something (laughs) like that or i don't know where i'm going and stuff like that so He's like mentally preparing himself that he may or may not be still in New York by the trade deadline. 
I think it's funny, but it just shows how what a mess. And the funny thing with the Mets is, I just four years ago they were in the World Series, mm-hmm. and how can you go? I mean, in my experience with baseball, you have only a, like maybe three, four years where you can actually be a legit World Series, and then mm-hmm. you have to start rebuilding again. Right. But the Mets didn't just go from, okay, now we need to start rebuild. They just completely <laughs> fell apart in like a year. <laughs> and I, I've never seen that just complete where the bottom, maybe the Marlins when they went through that fire sale. Oh, yeah. They, yeah, where they decided to give up after winning a title. But, yeah, the Mets are so dysfunctional, and I don't see them getting out of anytime soon. I, I tell you what, Stroman's a great pitcher. He's a ground ball-inducing machine. And he does so with the statistically worst defensive infield in Major League Baseball behind him. Like, that infield is awful, handling balls on the ground. So I don't know why you thought this pitcher would be a particularly good fit. But they do have a pretty nice rotation altogether with everyone healthy. If they would uh, decide to hang on to Syndergaard, you've got guys like Stroman in there. You've got Mats. Uh, you got all kinds of you know really good arms. Degrom would be another one. Maybe ship out Vargas. See what you can get from him. And then people don't know where Edwin Diaz is going to be when it's all said and done. They are six games out of a wild card spot and five under five hundred. I don't think that they're going to contend, but there's still somewhat of a possibility. Maybe like a one in ten shot. But they have to decide right now if they are going to be a team that tries to contend for a postseason spot. And right now, they don't have the team to do it, which means before Wednesday, they need to start making some moves. I would say they maybe have a chance to potentially gain that spot next year, but Mm -hmm. it's just they're so far gone. If you don't have a plan, you're not going to get anywhere. And since they don't really know what they want to do, they're not... They're either going to make a bunch of deals <laughs> right before the deadline, mm-hmm. or they're not going to do anything and just completely focus on next year. I mean, what's weird is that the deadline's actually been pretty quiet. It has. You, you, normally, there's some big trade that's emerged, you know, and not the Strowman thing, but no. like something really big will right. have happened, and uh, it hasn't happened. So maybe the day of something will happen, but I'm really disappointed on what's happened so far the brewers did make a nice trade about an hour ago they acquired jordan lyles starting pitcher from the pirates who was actually scheduled to pitch tonight and they give up a minor leaguer cody ponce for him that's a pretty good pickup though lyles 28 years old his era isn't great 536 but he's a serviceable starting pitcher for the brewers and it's addressing their biggest need i still think the brewers are going to win the central the cubs don't have the team that they're going to catch them as it is and this helps fill another need for milwaukee you really think so yeah, I think the about Cubs, which part? I think the Cubs have the talent to pass Milwaukee. I don't know. I don't I know if they, they have the team right now. I think they do. You think I, so? I, think, I, I think there was so much hype about the Brewers, but they're so hot and cold as a team. Mm-hmm. They'll, like, everybody will get hyped up and be like, oh, the Brewers are streaking, and then they'll fall off, and we're like, okay, we need a new pitching staff, <laughs> like, completely. So it's I think they're. I think they'll make the playoffs and they'll be fine, but... I don't see them as like a World Series contender. Not right now, no. Not with the team they have right now. They've really underwhelmed this season. Like, I thought they might win 100 games this year. Mm -hmm. I thought if they can do what they did with the team last year, that they should be even better this season, and they haven't been. Mm -hmm. That NL Central as a whole has been disappointing. But I like this move for Milwaukee. I think it's a step in the right direction. Certainly, I wish you could have hit maybe a bigger home run than Lyles, Mm -hmm. but... I mean, he's better than a lot of the guys that you have starting games right now. Well, 
technically they still have a couple days. Yeah. yeah so who knows? They might do something. Is well, is is anybody really contending with the Dodgers in the NL? I mean, I feel like the Dodgers are like the team. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't see. I mean, someone might make a run because you know it's hard to tell in the playoffs what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But as far as a clear contender, I feel the NL is just the Dodgers is it. Yep. Right now. Dodgers are going to lose their third straight World Series. You're calling it, huh? <laughs> they are the new Buffalo Bills of the 1990s. I, and the thing is, they could have beat the Astros. They could have. Yeah, probably should have. Yeah, pitched the wrong guy. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't have thrown you, Darvish. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, the Dodgers will be just fine until they get to the World Series, and they'll lose again. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, what else happened in Major League Baseball this weekend? How about something that's never happened, a statistical oddity in the American League East? On Saturday... Tampa Bay had a 9-2 lead over Toronto, and they blew it, losing that game 10-9. Sunday, the Blue Jays have a 9-2 lead, and they blow it. They lose 10-9. It's the first time that's ever happened that a team has blown a 9-2 lead and then come back from a 9-2 deficit the following game. Interesting. How weird is that? Well, it kind of goes with the AL East. The a little AL, bit. Yeah, the AL East is a real question mark. We thought that the Yankees would be the team to beat. Mm-hmm. But they're not as good as we thought they were. No, um, you got Boston. Then there, Tampa Bay. If they finally can get consistently hot, you know they might make a, de- a run late. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they're going to they make might, it. They, they might get one of the last wild card, maybe like the fifth spot. I think the Yankees still in the East, but I it's it's weird baseball right now because it's not going the way a lot of people expected. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody the Twins would do. Nobody this. thought the Twins would be at the top of the Central. Um, nobody thought the Yankees would kind of underachieve, that the NL Central would be kind of like, what's going on there? (laughs) They thought the Cubs or the Brewers. Does anybody want to win this division? Yeah, yeah, no. So it's been kind of weird this year. Do you think there could be a case to be made that the American League Central is actually one of the best divisions in baseball? Because they have two of the top four teams in the NL Central right now. Like, the Twins have consistently been a top-five team in terms of winning percentage, and they have just a two-game lead over Cleveland. Now, even when the lead got to one on Saturday night, I still wasn't that worried. I still think the Twins are going to hold on and win the Central. I do. But I do think Cleveland's going to make the playoffs when it's all said and done. And you could make the argument that because two of the top four teams in the AL are in the Central, despite teams like the Tigers and the Royals weighing it down, that might be the best division. And the White Sox. And the White Sox. Yeah, they're middle of the road. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, yeah, you can make the case for that. I, you could. Do you think the Twins have a shot at all of making the World Series? Not with the team that they have right now. Okay. I think they're at least one pitcher away from doing so. Okay. Is Houston your pick or is the Yankees your Yankees. pick? Yankees. Okay. I think the Twins can take Houston in this series. I really okay. do. Okay. They took three of four of, uh, excuse me, they took four of seven from them in the regular season this year. Okay. I think they could contend with Houston. The Yankees are a different animal. I think the Twins, at best, are an ALCS team right now. Okay, I, I don't even trust the Yankees right now. I mean, normally, no. like when you not get after to, this weekend, <laughs> maybe when you get into August, I kind of have my okay. Here's what I think could have a legit chance of winning the World Series. And other, other than the other than the Dodgers making the World Series, I really don't have like a definitive prediction. Right, yet. right. The American League, it's still up for grabs. Dodgers are clearly the best team in the NL right now. Will they make the World Series? We think. But who knows what's going to happen here in the last couple of months? Who might get hot? Yeah, and a lot of it depends on what's going to happen in the trade deadline. Yep. And I'm hoping something big happens because I want to, like, have something. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we can have something to talk about. 
that at some point because it's just been it's been really dull. Like I wouldn't be shocked to be honest with you if somehow Atlanta was able to beat the Dodgers in the NLCS. Huh. And I don't even trust Atlanta that much. I don't, but I <laughs> wouldn't totally be surprised. I mean, I would be a little surprised, but Atlanta, if there's any team that could knock off L.A. in the NL, right now I think it's them. Maybe the Cubs and the Brewers, if they finally get their act together. Maybe. It, but they're just not doing it right now. They're almost trying to fight each other for the wild card rather, right. than, <laughs> rather than the division title. You take this division yeah. title. No, you go win it. Yeah. I don't want the home field. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I tell you what, uh, speaking of things that have never been done, or at least haven't been done for a long time in Major League Baseball, Nelson Cruz joined an elite group this weekend. Cruz had a five-game home run streak that was snapped yesterday. He became the seventh player in the modern era, which goes back to 1900, to have a five-game home run streak for two different franchises. The other six, A-Rod, Ken Griffey Jr., Frank Thomas, Mike Napoli, Jose Canseco, and Adrian Gonzalez. It's pretty good Mike company. Mike Napoli. Mike Napoli. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Adrian Gonzalez, an- another guy that kind of is a forgotten guy. Yeah. Who, like, was a very good player, but kind of isn't in the equation right. for a lot of people. I tell you what, Nelson Cruz, with that performance, good enough to get him AL Player of the Week. Meanwhile, Paul Goldschmidt got it for the National League. Now, the Twins are kind of in a weird situation with what they want to do with Cruz. Arguably their hottest offensive player. They have the day off tonight. Tomorrow, they head down to Miami, which means you either have to have Cruz play the field mm-hmm. or you sit him, which is probably what they're going to do. Yeah. The only way that the Twins would see him is in a late-game pinch hit situation. Yeah, that's probably what they'll do. Because they went to Philadelphia in April – and he didn't play at all. He didn't mm. see the field at all. And the Marlins are a team that the Twins should win a series against. Although, I don't know. The Brewers would say, well, hold on a minute. Yeah, yeah. But uh, isn't it interesting how we've reached a point in the season where we're not even mentioning the Tigers at all yeah. anymore? How how bad are you as a team when <laughs> the, the radio show in the state that your team plays in barely acknowledges you exist at this point? Who do you think, do you think Garden Hire is a chance to last? I think that they hired Garden Hire with the understanding that it would be really rough for the next few years. I don't think Garden Hire was ever the long-term solution. I think he was the fall guy to get him through these rough couple of years, and then he can be fired for performance, and they can bring in the guy that they actually want to lead the franchise going forward. I don't think Garden Hire is the long-term uh, fit for the franchise, and I don't think they've intended him to be. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I thought he, they were going to pick him because he had a good heyday with the Twins. Yep. You know, but uh, I think he's an. He, if there's a slide on Garden Hire, it's that the Twins were turning it around when he inherited the team. Um, so he got to take care of a team that was good mm-hmm. in a playoff caliber team, whereas he's now inheriting a Tigers team that is years away of contending yeah. for a championship. So, I don't know. It's. I feel like next year will be a better judge of Garden Hire as a manager because mm-hmm. they'll see how low they've gotten this year, and you can only go up from here. It's kind of like what 04 was. I mean, not 04. 03 was for the Tigers. They bottomed out that year, and three years later they made the World Series. Right. So I feel like this is 
their bottom out year in a couple of years, they'll be maybe not a World Series, but they'll be a playoff team again. Well, and they still have Shane Green that they're looking to move here in the next two days, and we'll see what they can get back for him. And no one could have predicted Michael Fulmer being out for the entire season. No. And then you got Nick Castellanos, who yeah. wants to leave town. And they want him to leave town, <laughs> town but nobody wants nobody him. Nobody wants him. That's, that's, the, that's my favorite story of the Tigers this year. <laughs> I don't want to live here anymore. Well, we don't want you here anymore either, <laughs> but nobody else wants you to take you on and have you live there. So, uh, I tell you what, last thing before we go to break, Trevor Bauer showing that he might have the best outfield arm in the Cleveland Indians he, this year. He was going to be one of my funnies, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> we, we'll get to more of that, though, when, uh, when you've got the funnies coming up. But, man, I tell you what, does that hurt his trade stock in your eyes at all? A guy uh, with that kind of personality? I think it hurts him a little because everybody knows that he's, got a, hot, he's a hothead yeah. and he's, people, his, <laughs> his teammates don't like him. Right. So I think a lot of teams are going to shy away from him simply because that they don't want to mess in the locker room, but we'll see. I don't think it's going to hurt his trade value all that much. I don't think it helped him in any way. But bottom line, if a team needs starting pitching, mm-hmm. they're just going to say, yeah, this guy's been good. He's not been great this year, but maybe a change of scenery is what he needs. This is a former Cy Young contender, and they will still take a chance on Trevor Bauer. Although, I think it is time to get out of Cleveland. You saw Terry Vancona was visibly frustrated with him. You could read his lips on the TV. What the bleep was that when mm-hmm. Bauer threw the baseball over the center field? Yeah. It was a good throw, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Better throw than probably most center fielders in the AL Central. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> Wacky guy, but uh, we'll go into that later. <laughs> yeah, we'll have more on that coming up. By the way, uh, when we get back from break, we have the NBA win projections that came out this weekend, plus the NCAA.com preseason top 25 football poll. That's next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Dan Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you in The Sports Pen, Monday afternoon. Glad to have you along. Here's your Sports Center update. The Tampa Bay Lightning have signed goaltender Andre Vasilevsky to an eight year extension worth $76 million. The New Orleans Saints have released wide receiver Cameron Meredith, which means the New York Giants are probably signing him as we speak. What a mess that has yeah. to be for Eli. And finally, a Texas farmer was arrested when police decided to investigate his scarecrow. The scarecrow was dressed in military fatigues, complete with a helmet, boots, and assault rifle, and it became a popular attraction for the citizens of Navarro, Texas. Word of the armed scarecrow eventually reached the Navarro County Sheriff's Office, who decided to investigate. What they found was a five-acre field consisting of over 10,000 marijuana crops. It was complete with a portable generator and water pumps. Did, like, these fans not notice what it was going <laughs> You know, it's like, hmm, why would a scarecrow have an assault rifle? Probably because he's hiding something. And if you're that farmer, who are you trying to scare away? Like, you can put an undressed scarecrow and that would get the birds away, but do you think people are going to pay attention to one that's dressed in regular farmer clothes or one that's carrying an assault rifle? Uh, yeah, yeah, you're going to draw attention to yourself. Like, what are you doing? And somebody's going to report it, so... <laughs> This guy wasn't bright. I mean, I'm sure he was a great weed grower, but like other than that, that's about it. Uh, again, generators, water pumps. This is a really sophisticated <laughs> operation, but then he, he ruins his it. own case. <laughs> <laughs> Calling attention to a scarecrow supposedly guarding his marijuana Yeah, field. yeah. By drawing attention to yourself, you ruined your potential business. <laughs> oh, people are stupid. Uh, I tell you what, Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Glad to have you along as always. 
Well, the NBA released its, well, I should say Caesars Sportsbook and Casino released its win projections for the 2019-2020 NBA season. Ryan, I'm going to give you these, what Caesars predicts for these teams as far as wins for next year. Tell me if you think they're high, low, or about where they should be. The highest team on Caesars' list, the team they expect to win the most games next year, the Milwaukee Bucks with 57. I can see it. Yeah? Yeah, just how they performed this year. They should have They should have made the NBA Finals this year, but mm-hmm. choked against Toronto, so I think that's a reliable thing. Does it surprise you that they're predicted to win 57 when they won 60 last year? Um, A little bit, because they're, uh, they're just a better... I th- I think they're going to have the same team, mm-hmm. so I, I'm i surprised that they picked them so low. So, uh, yeah, that's a surprise. Well, and it's not like the East got better either. I mean, teams like the Nets did, teams like the Heat did, mm-hmm. but the teams at the top tier, like the 76ers, I don't think did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toronto certainly didn't. Boston is treading water. Yeah. The East shouldn't be a lot tougher this year. No, no. So I'm a little surprised that they are saying that the Bucks are not going to win as many as last year, but they still are projected to win the most of any NBA team. Number two on the list, the L.A. Clippers with 56. Hmm. I think that's probably fair now. I mm-hmm. think if they hadn't gotten George and uh, Leonard, I think that would have been a huge reach. But, yeah, no, it makes sense. So I, I, I tell you what, I think that it would be higher for me if they weren't in the West. The West mm-hmm. is just going to be so good. Yeah. 56, we'll go with that. Yeah, yeah. I can't understand why people are so high on the 76ers. Like, did they really get better no. this offseason by no. adding Al Horford and Josh Richardson to replace no. J.J. Redick and Jimmy Butler? I don't get why people are so high on them, but Caesars has them with 55 wins this year, third most in all the NBA. I, I think that they're just basing it entirely on last season and not really what they got this year. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's what happens a lot when with preseason predictions. What did they do last season? Well, maybe they're going to do the exact same thing. I mean, it happens when we do the WCHA predictions all the time mm-hmm. because we're going by what they did last year and somewhat on what they're returning, but it's a complete guess and uh, so way too high. I just can't see Philadelphia winning 55 games and being the second best team in the East. They just, they didn't get better. They didn't get better yeah. this offseason. No, they didn't. They won't be bad, but that, they, yeah, they didn't get no, better. No. How about this, though? Fourth on the list, fourth in total NBA wins next year, the Utah Jazz with 54, ahead of the Lakers. I think that's a little high. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure what stands out about the Jazz. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, they made some good moves yeah, this offseason yeah. with uh, Boyan Bogdanovich and Mike Conley, yeah. but that doesn't equate yeah. to 54 wins. No, no, it doesn't. Way too high. The Houston Rockets, 52. <sighs> Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, basically underachieving <laughs> what they sh- what they should have done. Right. Yeah, so it sounds about good. The Denver Nuggets also with 52. I Again, higher than the Lakers. Yeah, how about I, that? Yeah. I mean, I just, the Denver Nuggets were a good team this year, but it's not like they got really, they didn't really get a whole lot better. Right. So I don't In fact, see they it. lost one of their top three <laughs> players in Isaiah Thomas. Explain that. How can you end up getting that many wins if you lost one of your best players? I, Caesars, what are you doing? And then the L.A. Lakers, 51 and a half. So, round it up to 52. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they should just round it up regardless. I mean, how do you, how do you get half a victory? <laughs> I, I don't know. Is yeah. that somewhere where the Lakers would... 
kind of fall in? I would say I think they're going to go higher than probably Denver. Yeah. And uh, may probably pass Utah. I would say they're more yeah, than yeah. Utah. I'd yeah. say right now they're yeah. the second best team in the West. Yeah. Behind the Clippers. Behind the Clippers, yeah. Weirdly. I never thought I'd ever see the Clippers be a better team than the Lakers, but that's the case right now. Well, I tell you what, those were some of the win totals as projected by Caesar Sportsbook and Casino for this upcoming NBA season. What else was released this weekend? NCA.com released their official top 25 preseason college football poll. Now, keep in mind, this isn't the Associated Press poll. That's going to be the one you see on TV, the official ranking, so to speak, until the first college football playoff ranking comes out on Halloween weekend. Uh, But this will give us a pretty good indication of where a lot of these teams are going to fall in line. And the top five is put together by Mm NCAA.com, Clemson and Alabama, one and two in that order, Ohio State three, Georgia four, and Oklahoma five. What sticks out to you from that top five? Let's start at the the bottom of that. Okay. I I feel like I see Georgia. Oklahoma, I feel like, is always in the mix just because they're Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I mean, Oklahoma's always going to be that team that you think is going to go further than they actually go. They'll mm-hmm. make the playoff, but they won't win the championship. It's, they're always that team that's in the mix. Someone called it the Bob Stoops era, mm-hmm. whereas you perpetually underachieve. Like, you're by the talent you have, you should be winning a national title, but you don't get it done ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, you did, like, way back in the day, <laughs> like in 2000, but you haven't achieved, like, your glory quite yet. But is that because of their talent and underachieving, or is it because Clemson and Alabama are just that good? A little both. Yeah. I think Clemson and Alabama are that good, but I think it's just when they get to the big stage, they don't finish the job every every year. Is it me, or would you agree Ohio State should be a lot lower than number three? Maybe not well, a lot lower, but they shouldn't be number three. Top ten, maybe. Top ten, yeah, but number three? No. They're replacing one of the greatest college coaches of all time and a lot of pieces that they need to fill, including their top wide receiver and, of course, their quarterback. I would say about eight. Yeah, They lost a lot. They lost Urban Meyer. They're not the same team that they were last year. I right. think they're, they're going to be fine. I think they're, you know, maybe 11-2. Uh, and two, I don't think they're a playoff team this no, year. No, they're not a playoff team. They're but they'll a, be a New Year's Six Bowl th- yeah, team. Yeah, they're definitely a New Year's Six, six Bowl team. Yep. So that's the top five, six through ten. Michigan, LSU, Florida, Texas, Notre Dame. What Michigan, stands out to you? Michigan be, should be higher than Ohio State. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, um, I would put them higher than Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and I would say, I would say Georgia three, Michigan four. Okay, and then I would say they're better than Oklahoma. All right, then you have LSU, Florida, two teams that you know they should be good when you look at them on paper. I don't know that either of those are going to finish in the top eight this no, year. To be honest I, with you, LSU and Florida, I feel like have as soon as Urban Meyer left. Mm-hmm. Florida fell off. Yeah. And as soon as Les Miles left, LSU fell off. <laughs> and it's like, I don't think Ed Orgeron is the guy who's going to finish the Right. Team. Ed Orgeron goes to every school and entertains with his wacky drawl. And that's, <laughs> in, but his teams don't do anything. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, that's about it. I, I would say, I wouldn't even put those two. Maybe LSU, I'd put them at nine, but I wouldn't put them both up there. I tell you what, they have Texas at number nine. I'm really high on Texas. This I am year. not high on Texas. You're not. High I am on never Texas. high on Texas. Why? Because every year, sports writers and sportscasters around the country saying this is the year for Texas. This is the <laughs> year. Texas they is back. Texas. It's like the headline. 
Texas will win a game. Like, mm-hmm. let's say they'll beat Oklahoma, and there'll be a headline saying Texas is back, and then they'll finish like 6-6. Six and six. So it's <laughs> they'll get their statement win, and then they'll be absolute nothing for the rest of the year. So, no, until they can consistently prove that they're back, I don't believe they're back. If they If they play well this year... If they can make a New Year's Six game, mm-hmm. yeah, then I might believe it, but no. They did make a statement in the Sugar Bowl against Georgia last year. Is it safe to say that if Tom Herman doesn't win at least the Big 12, college football playoff aside, if he doesn't win the Big 12 this year, he's not going to while he's at Texas? Is it safe to say that? I would say, yeah, because yeah. the Big 12 is just, I mean, what is there, Texas and Oklahoma? Right, and, and those two are so far and away ahead of the others, we already know that's going to be the conference championship. And then doesn't... Gundy and Oklahoma State do their little flirt with yep. the title every year, but don't really, it rarely actually finish the job. No. So I would, yeah, I, if he doesn't do it this year, I don't think he's going to. No. I, I mean, if they, they need to consistently prove to me that they can, that Texas is back. And I'm waiting for them to win a game this year and see all the headlines that Texas is back because they're all going to be a joke. And then they have Notre Dame at 10 to start. I think that's about that's right about where they should be. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, you know? I, uh, I, I think they're in the mix, but they have a lot more work to do than right. this year. Than I would agree with that. Year. 11 through 15 in the preseason list as put together by NCA.com. Texas A&M, Oregon, Penn State, Washington, and Utah. Some interesting names in that list. Well, Texas A&M. Always that, another team that perennially underachieves. Yeah, underachieves. underachieves. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And then what were the other ones going on the line? Oregon, Penn State, Washington, and Utah. Washington is like back in the mix. Mm-hmm. You know, they've really turned it around once Chris Peterson took over. Yep. So I can see that. Utah, I'm trying to figure out where that's coming from. That's a mixed bag. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure there. And then Penn State, James Frank. Would you say James Franklin's one of the most overrated head coaches? If he doesn't start, you know, getting to. Uh... I mean, he's been to the Rose Bowl before. Yeah. He's consistently got Penn State and high-profile bowls. He doesn't seem to do it. I guess what's a, what I'm trying to say is he achieves probably like he's supposed to at Penn State, but he never raises the bar. Yeah. Like Penn State never takes that next step. Yeah, he hits the bar. Yeah. And then the bar falls off. That's, a, <laughs> that's the James Franklin way. 16 through 20, Wisconsin, Auburn, Iowa, Central Florida, Nebraska. Wisconsin, Auburn, Iowa, Florida. Wisconsin, Auburn, Iowa. Where in Nebraska? Central Florida. Central Florida. And then Nebraska. And then Nebraska. Iowa. I I think Iowa could make a case this year. They have the potential to win the West. No. I think there's a great chance. There. I'm not high in Nebraska. How can you be high in Nebraska after a four and eight? They season? lost to Troy. Yes. <laughs> and they're predicted you to lost, win the Big Ten West. Aren't they a Sun Belt team? Yeah. Where's the hype coming? <laughs> they had to pay Troy to come. <laughs> When you have to play a Sunbelt team to come, <laughs> and then your they state. beat you. Yeah, I mean that's that's the disaster. And against in, in Nebraska, they're terrible. And although, what does that say something? As I point out in my column about Michigan State's offense, mm. that they could they lost to Nebraska, who scored nine points. <laughs> I mean, it's Nebraska. No, I can see Iowa doing it. Auburn, Auburn's always going to be is that team that. They're going to be the team in the regular season that gives Alabama its best fight, yeah. and they'll probably lose. Yeah. And uh, Central Florida, 
people hate Central Florida um, just because of their whole undefeated national championship, which I've had to point out that it technically was a legit national championship. Because some low-ranking member. Some qualifying poll that's qualified by the NCAA as a sanctioned poll voted Central Florida the champion that year so they can officially claim it. It sounds dumb, but it's accurate. And then, uh, but no, they're... They're not going to do what they were supposed to do. What was the other one? Wisconsin at 16. I would say lower. I think they're a top 25 team. Mm-hmm. But after, what wasn't Wisconsin, everybody was high on them last year. Big yep. 10 West champion. A lot of people thinking, thought they yeah, were a playoff team. Yeah, thinking Rose Bowl, all that. And they lost to the Gophers. <laughs> what? <laughs> they rode the boat all over you. What is the, in Madison. <laughs> I mean, come on. What a joke. Uh, And then 21 through 25 on the list. Virginia Tech, Michigan State, Missouri, Northwestern, and Boise State. (sighs) Boise State's always going to be right there. Yep. You know, they're a top 25 team. But I think after Peterson left, I think the glory days are kind of behind them. Although you're wearing the colors of Boise State. It's Blue Mountain State. It's Blue Mountain State, State, right? Yeah, but Boise State in there. Go Goats. I would say Michigan State, as of now, is a top 25 team. Okay. Offense has to be better. As yeah. I point out my column, the defense is going to carry them here, but if they're going to go higher than like 8-4, and four, the offense has to contribute. Other three, where were they? Virginia Tech at 21, a team where the wheels just absolutely <laughs> fell off. Midway Who lost to Old Dominion yep. last year. That's where the season was derailed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe top 25, I can see that. Yeah. Now, how about Northwestern at 24? I feel Northwestern made the Big Ten Championship. They did, last year. but they lost Clayton Thorson. Yeah. So I think I can see top 25 lower, top 25. I don't see them getting anywhere higher than that. Mm-hmm. I think they made the Rose the, uh, Big Ten Championship because the West was so weak yeah. last year. I don't think they're the team that's going to come out of that. I I think Iowa actually is the best chance coming out of the West. But, yeah, uh, yeah I, I think they're about reasonable. And they have Missouri as a top 25 team with Kelly Bryant getting set to take over the reins at quarterback. Remember when Missouri at, at, at one point was like – people were thinking was a legit championship contender. Mm-hmm. There was that brief, like, two-year period and nothing. Like, when no. Chase Daniel was their quarterback, <laughs> and then, like, it's been, okay, they'll be 8-4 and four at best, mm-hmm. and uh, they'll play the Citrus Bowl against the Gophers or something. And that, that was that's Missouri right now. So I can see it, but they're not. A strong twenty top twenty five team, and like Central Florida, one of the low ranking qualifying polls did actually name Missouri national champions back in two thousand seven under Gary Pinkle. So they can claim it if they want. The university hasn't, unlike Central. I Florida. feel like they should. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Well, I mean, if Central Florida is going to do it, and I mean, didn't Texas A and M start claiming ones that they won like nineteen eleven or something like that? Yeah, they were like, okay, we haven't legit won a national championship in like fifty, sixty years, so we'll throw some extra ones on there because we won a poll back in the, the early tens. And uh, so we increase our uh, national titles. It's it's bad. I don't even I, know if they were called Texas A&M then. Like, like Texas Western Military School or something, <laughs> something like, like that. that. Um, I think we should just have one national championship and that'd be it. Quit letting everyone make all these teams that don't deserve it call themselves national champs. Well, I wish that was the case, but because the NCAA isn't really the sanctioned D1. They, they determine FCS 2-3 
they determine those national champions. But one is like completely out of their hands. Mm-hmm. Technically, they list them, but they list everybody's choice as national champion. You would think the team that won the college football playoff would be like the default winner, but that's not the case every year. So if you look in the record books, sometimes you'll page through and you'll see, oh, 2019, Clemson. There'll be like an asterisk underneath and it'll be like, like you said, 2007, Missouri or something like that. And you'll be like, how does that happen? It's just because the system's set up that 2008, way. 2008, the Seattle Times declared Utah a national champion. Yeah. They went 13-0 and under Kyle Whittingham. Didn't some team, one year Boise was considered a national champion too? I think like 04, yeah, maybe. Yeah, So Jared Zabransky is their quarterback. <laughs> With the big Z tattoo, <laughs> I, I, if a small school gives himself a national championship, I have no problem with that because that's the only chance they're going to get one. Why not claim it? So yeah, go for it. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Steig with you. Let's take a time out. The Friday Funnies on a Monday next on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any part of the show today, you can check it out on demand with our free mobile app. You can get it from the Apple Eye Store or Google Play. Just look up ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Usually we have Ryan on Fridays. It's a funky week this week, so he's here Monday. The Monday Funnies? Um, Monday? Monday Mayhem or something. Monday Mayhem. <laughs> the Manic Mondays or something. <laughs> Whatever. It's, it's Monday. You're going to make us laugh. Yeah, there we go. Um, we alluded to it earlier. Trevor Bauer lost his mind during the game the other day. He's playing the Royals. Mm-hmm. Oh, shout out to my mother-in-law who's listening right now with my wife. So, All right. Yeah. So we get uh, out-of-towners who will be listening to, <laughs> listening to the show right now. Um, but... He lasts four and third innings against Kansas City, gives up seven earned runs on nine hits, sees Terry Francona come out to pull him out of the game, and shucks the ball into center field. <laughs> and if you've seen the replay, the Indian second baseman and the Royals base runner like are startled by it and just like are momentarily freaked out. Like he's throwing it at them briefly. And the funnier, even the funnier part is the catcher walks to the mound, realizes he throws the ball into center field, sighs, turns around and asks for an extra ball. Like, oh, he did it again. And then of course, Terry Francona comes out, puts his hands on his hips and says, what the F are you doing? (laughs) And uh, he apologized <laughs> after the game, but I don't know how you can justify that. You know, he's a competitor, he's fiery, I guess, but still, I mean, it's not a good look. But it's good arm. Yeah, the look on his yeah, arm. He looked chucked great. it over the center field fence. However, if people were sitting there and it yeah. would have hit somebody, that would have been terrible. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, Kansas City is set up where they yeah. have padding behind the center field wall. They also have a waterfall. Yeah, That's so to nice. get lost in the water. Yeah, so there we go. But. Uh, you see, um, speaking of baseball, there's a funny one. Uh, the Chinese Baseball League mm. had their all-star game the other day against the Taiwan national team. Mm. And Mitch Lively, journeyman pitchers in the Chinese league now, attempted a hidden ball trick and failed. Oh, no. And he did it in such a bad way. Like, he <laughs> he literally flashed his empty hand at the batter and then went back into his glove and then throws the ball. And so the hitter just kind of chuckles as he throws it and tees off on it and hits a double <laughs> into the left field. So it was – that's and then it gets even funnier because Chen Yu Sun, the reliever for the Chinese team, comes out and snaps a photo of him on the mound, himself <laughs> pitching 
right before he throws and post it on Facebook during the middle of the game. So you went from a guy attempting a trick play and failing miserably to a guy who <laughs> decides to pull a, a Facebook post by taking a photo from the mound in the middle of the game. And the, fo- the photo is of home plate and the batter's lining up in there and the umpire has this bizarre look <laughs> on his face. It's like, what is going on? So the Asian All-Star game is really fun. You've heard about the bunt contest. Oh, yeah. They, got. they have yeah. a bunt contest it's, in the Korean All-Star game. No home run derby. It's who can have the bunt close to the target. That's disgusting. <laughs> Just disgusting. But if you're going to... Why not go wacky? If you're going to go off the wall, you know, I mean... I mean, do you get points where you locate the ball, or do you do it for style? Is it like the dunk contest, and you get style points for how you bunt? I feel like it's the closest to a target. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, the winner gets a prize, and everybody's happy, but... uh, Japanese uh, All-Star Game, I think, was just a week or so ago, and the players were dressing up in costumes, like the closer, the guy who was coming in for the save, came in in some kind of costume from the bullpen, came running in from center field, and then took it off before he pitched. Like, you can get away with stuff you never could in yeah. this All-Star game over yeah. here. It's, it's those wacky. are fun. Yeah, and they make it interesting in their own way. Yeah. We're ending with another baseball one. Do you hear what Jennifer Lopez did the other night? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, for those that haven't heard, A-Rod's in the booth. His fiance Jennifer Lopez, brings in a birthday cake while he's on the air. He got a fancy cake earlier in the week during J-Lo's con- after J-Lo's concert, and, but now he gets a sheet cake. If you've seen the cake, it doesn't even have his name on it. It just says, happy birthday, and it looks like something you'd pick up at Costco. (laughs) You know, just a plain, it's like, my theory is like she went to the display case and was like, I'll take that one, and then paid like 15 bucks for it and left. Because it it looks so bad. He didn't even eat any of it. It sat in the... (laughs) In the ESPN back room, and the sports writers gorge themselves on it because nobody ate it. And there's just one thing: there's true about sports writers. I'm not in that equation, mm-hmm. but most of them will eat anything oh, that's yeah. available. So everybody gorged themselves on it, and uh, the guest of honor who received the cake did not eat any part of the cake. It's a complete mess, and it's my, it's my as much as funny as Trevor Bauer is. I think the the cake fail is my favorite funny of the week. He throws J-Lo that party that she had last week. Yeah. Did you see videos of that? Oh, yeah, yeah. She's just going nuts, and then Fat Joe is performing and pouring water on himself while he's doing it. Yeah. And then she gives him that. Yeah. Not even a name on there. It's like, remember when Antonio Brown was doing those personalized birthday yep, messages, yep, yep. and he didn't even say that guy's name? Like, he knew he was a defense attorney, <laughs> yeah. but he's just like, I heard you've been working hard as a defense attorney. And it's your 38th birthday. It's your second anniversary wedding. Yeah. Never said his name once. Yeah. The guy paid like $5,000 for it. And you didn't even, I mean, talk about a waste of cash. But the <laughs> sweet, this sheet cake, it's like, <laughs> it is. It's like the kind of thing you buy your five-year-old for their birthday. <laughs> but at least you'd put your five-year-old's name on it or maybe some decorations. It's just white with, like, blue lettering, and it says happy birthday. It's like. She was in panic mode and ran to Costco and said, hey, I need a cake. Did you see last week that Walmart messed up this little girl's birthday yeah. cake? The ha- two-year-old opens the box and it says, happy birthday loser sure. on it. And <laughs> thankfully, she couldn't read. The mom says she doesn't know how to read yet, so she's not able to see it. But there's a picture of the little girl just staring. Like, she can tell something's wrong just staring at a cake yeah. that says, happy birthday loser. And someday, when she is able to read, she's going to have to look at that photo yeah. and remember that is her second birthday. 
birthday. But I, I feel like that's some of the thing you can laugh off oh, when yeah. you're older. I mean, it, it's not going to be traumatic. I think it's just like, because I think when people see cake decorations that are messed up, they think it's hilarious. <laughs> so, yeah. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. We are out of time on this episode of the Sports Pen. What do you got coming out in the Mining Journal this week, Ryan? Uh, well, um, I'm hoping to get some uh, NME Fall previews mm. um, out there uh, this week. I'll have a column coming out Sunday. I haven't quite decided what I'm going to do, if I'm going to do one on the Tigers or I'm going to do a Lions preview. I haven't quite decided yet. Uh, I usually decide about midweek, so mm. a little early in the week to make a decision, but I'll come up with something good. Matt Patricia with a pencil behind his ear riding around on his scooter. Yeah, uh, I might mention that. That could be fun. <laughs> That is it for us once again. We're back on same time and place tomorrow, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. Until then, I'm Tanner Hoops. Have a great rest of your Monday.